This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is Hornswoggle, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, the best podcast going today. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous, coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Busted Wide Opens Patron Mailbag episode number 39. My name is Sir Ian Dangerous. And I am JB in the house. And welcome to the show. That's right. We've got JB guesting with us today. Hi. If you didn't watch our regular show this week, she was there for that as well. So check her out over there. Nick will be back next week to answer your questions. But we've got the lovely Miss JB sitting in this week. Uh, JB, you you already introduced yourself on the main show. So we don't have to go through all that. People know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) They know what your deal is, but we're here today because we've got wonderful, wonderful patrons for this show, and they ask us wonderful, wonderful questions, and that's what we got to answer today on the show. Thank you to all of our patrons who give us their hard-earned money every month to keep this show afloat. It is, I can't even freaking tell you how much we appreciate it. It's so awesome, and it means so much, and thank you. Thank you for that. They're not called the phenomenal ones for nothing. They... Exactly. That's why we call them the phenomenal ones, because they're phenomena. And thank you to all you guys who are listening right now. If you're not a patron yet, it's not too late. You can go to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our lovely tiers there. They will all allow you to ask questions on this show and get them answered. And it's a lot of fun all around. Thank you for listening today. So, Miss JB, you're going to be on the spot today. You're going to be playing Nick on the show today. The question asker... You've got the list over there. Yes. Thank you to everyone who submitted this week. I'm so, so excited. We have so many questions. We got, we got a lot. We got a lot to the get through. The so. patrons came through. Yeah. So if you all don't know where, where to go for us, you know, Facebook discussion group and Discord and YouTube and all of that stuff, you all know where to go. Check the description below. Uh, you guys can find it there. Just go to uh, uh, to bustedwideopen.com and orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash bustedwideopen. Excuse me. <laughs> and that's where all the information is. Or to our Facebook discussion group, youtube.com forward slash busted wide open. Let's get on with the show. We have a lot to get through. Uh, so, JB, if you would please it would kick be us an off. Honor. Kick us off. First off, we have Jacob Yuhas, who says, finally, first again. He did it. He got it. <laughs> In honor of JB. That's you. Aw, thank you. What are some of y'all's 
favorite gear that a wrestler has worn, past <laughs> or present, any promotion? He knows you. He knows you well. Okay. All right. All right. Well, just off the top of my head, um, anything that Charlotte Flair has worn ever, um, <laughs> whether it be while wrestling or just coming to the ring to give a promo because she always looks amazing. What did you, you think of her last photo shoot? The super oh, glamour with the, one. With the high black boots? Yep. Are you talking about that photo shoot? Yes. Because, okay, I want that outfit. That's what I say about that. Yes, Charlotte. Yes, girl. <laughs> um, also, Sasha Banks always looks incredible. Uh -huh. I love her jackets. I don't know who she employs to always bedazzle and bestud those jackets. Her husband or Bailey's husband. One of them, one of them, one of them married a seamster. Really? Seamstress. Yeah. Oh, well. I got I to gotta remember which one's which. I, I'm dyslexic about it right now. It's not exactly something I keep track of, but I, I know one of them One of them married the costume guy. Well, so, good for her. Might, might be Bailey. It is paying off. I, how could it be Bailey, though? How could it be Bailey? How Have you he? seen what Bailey's wearing? <laughs> that might be the point. Yeah, it ain't Bailey's husband. I'm hmm. just saying. Okay, um, John Morrison always has the best pants. John Morrison does always look awesome. I mean, it, his pants, they're just the best around. I agree. Um, Bea Priestley. Uh, Bea, Bea Priestley, really? Yeah. What do you dig about her outfits? I like her look. Okay, first of all, anything that fits <laughs> and gets the job done in women's wrestling, uh, like, it drives me nuts how often I see bra straps or panty straps or tights or anything poking out or wrestlers having to just constantly adjust the wardrobe. So when someone's gear fits well, it gets my attention. Right. So, yeah. I was right, by the way, Sasha. I was, well, I was wrong, but I was also right. Sasha did marry the uh, costume designer for WWE. That makes way yeah. more sense than the Bailey, Bailey having married him. <laughs> I was like, I don't see how that's possible. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Brandy Rhodes always looks good. And also, I like Tyler Breeze's pink fringe pants. You miss those, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. They're forever in my mind and heart. Yeah. I, I miss Prince Pretty being Prince Pretty. Now he's just kind of... <laughs> he's still pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But you he's don't kind think of like... he's as pretty without the bleached no. blonde hair? No. And like he's got, he used to have like the lip plumper on and like... <laughs> The, the, just just boas everywhere and feathers everywhere. Like oh it's the, he's missing he's missing the over the topness of it. Well, yeah, he certainly. It's not it as down flamboyant, and I miss I I love that flamboyance. Um, that being said, uh, so for me to answer this, I I, <laughs> I very I, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of a bunch of guys, and none of them are flamboyant. Pentagon uh, Junior slash like like yes. right around Pentagon Dark Era, but he just has a whole wardrobe. Of badass outfits. Yeah, that's a good one. And just, I mean, the basic concept of a undead luchador ninja is crazy enough. I mean, come on. But he pulls it off, and it's freaking awesome. So I got to give some love to, to Pentagon. There's a reason I've got like two or three pictures of him on the wall here. Um, Kane, uh, like OG Kane. I'm talking like 99, 2000 Kane. Anywhere from like when he debuted... Uh, and ripped the door off Hell in a Cell to like <laughs> 2000. Once he started like losing pieces of the outfit, I, and modern Kane with the half mask, I'm not as much of a fan of, mm -hmm. but like OG Kane. Uh, it's one of my favorite masked wrestlers. Um, okay. Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
All right. Yeah. Looks like a, always looks like a goddamn Final Fantasy character. <laughs> like as much as Kenny Omega wants to look like a Final Fantasy character, Hiroshi Tanahashi is is he's an he's a living anime character and his wardrobe bears that out. Yep. Um, uh, so, oh, which made me think of Marty Skrull at <sighs> Wrestle Kingdom 12 when he came out. And he had the whole like crow out like the crazy big wings. I would have put him on my list if not for. The recent allegations? Yes. Which, yeah. which, yeah, we're still getting through that and figuring out what exactly happened there. He was, well, he admitted to. He admitted to, he yeah. admitted to some of it, to yeah. some of the stuff. but uh, We don't need to go into it right now, but no. that's the reason why he wasn't on my yes. list. There were a few people that would have been on my list but are not on my list because of other things. We're still waiting and seeing how, how the cookie crumbles with them. Yes. Yeah, and Marty's definitely among them. Uh, I got to throw Alistair Black on my list. I just remember like, thinking of Marty Skrull, uh, Crow-era Sting. When he would descend from the rooftops and he's wearing the white and yep, black. Yep. And even like modern Sting, when he came to WWE and looked like just an old badass. I got to throw him in there. Um, Dead Man era Taker, like post. Yeah. When he came back after American Badass and that whole run through the late thousands and, and 2000s. Minus, minus Mohawk Taker, not Mohawk Taker. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know. No? Like, no, no, not, no, definitely not Mohawk Taker. Um I'm trying to think of other people. Paige. I always thought Paige had cool ring gear. Okay. Um, Seth Rollins has great ring gear, even though he looks like a... Um, I can't forgive him. For what? For wearing black underwear under white pants. Oh, my God. Really? That's yes! your... One time, and you're never going to forgive him? He should have known better. Come on. Wow. Um, uh, I, can't, I can't get out through this without throwing Ric Flair in there. The yep. robes. The, you got to throw the robes in there. Macho Man. Um, big flamboyant uh, outfits. Okay, uh, one more. Oh, Nakamura. Nakamura. Okay. With Nakamura. The, with the body suits. With the body suits and the capes. and the, Well, maybe not the capes so much, but he had, he had like the half capes that were kind of cool. Nakamura, I thought, always looked amazing. Like Freddie Mercury meets Michael Jackson, which I know was his intention. So. You're a fan of a bodysuit. I mean, who can blame you? I, you know what? I'm not mad at them when they can pull them off. When they can pull them off. I, I wouldn't be a fan of like A-Train in a bodysuit. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Earthquake in a bodysuit would oh not be a good Oh my God, thing. stop. Okay, sorry. Martin Welsh. Yes. <laughs> says, I hope you're both doing well. Thank you, Martin. In the not so distant future, Sasha and Bailey are going to split up. <gasps> what? You think? Who is turning on who? No. Oh. I feel uh, Sasha is a better heel, but I hated Bailey as a face. Dog Ziggler agrees. Dog Ziggler is freaked out by them by them breaking up. He does not want it to happen. He's a big fan of the oh. Sasha and Bailey team, right, boy? Yes, yeah, so I can tell you this. Okay. <laughs> also, looking at the current crop of NXT ladies, who is going to be the next major star on Raw or SmackDown? Ooh, uh, who's turning on who is? I mean, does that mean, like, who's going to be the heel, who's going to be the face? Because I think it's pretty clear that Sasha's going to be the face and Bailey the heel. Um, and I think he... But he, who's going to split them up, I think is what he's asking. Yeah, does Sasha get sick of Bailey's crap and turn on her, or mm -hmm. does Bailey feel and, like Sasha's overshadowing her and turn on Sasha? It's going to depend if Sasha wins Asuka's title or not, I think. Yeah, getting Sasha to turn while still remaining a face or turning into a face. Yeah. I guess, well, to kind of really pointedly, you know, touch on what he's talking about, I, he feels Sasha's a better heel, but he hated Bailey as a face. I mean, I, I agree. 
I, I like Bailey as a face. They just never got her right on the main roster, and I don't think there's any way to turn her face again right now. No. Um, she's in a Sami Zayn land where she's just being too obnoxious to turn face, whereas I think Sasha, there's a clear path to turning her face. And I also think she's in a different position than when she was initially face on the main roster. She should never have come up as a face to the main roster, much like Bobby Roode. So turning her face now... I think would feel more organic and she'd be a better face now than she was the last time she was a face. So of the two evils, if you will, and tell me if you agree with this, JB, I think right now Sasha would be a better face than Bailey would be. Yes. Agreed. I think, hmm, I think it's hard. It's going to be hard to turn Sasha against Bailey while keeping her face because turning against your, really turning against your teammate is a heel thing. So they'd have to be, but it would be really like smart with that. Yeah, but it'd be so, like Bailey would like building up all this animosity, and Sasha just can't take it anymore, and finally explodes. Yeah, so I think S- Bailey has to kind of turn on Sasha in a way that makes Sasha heal. If Re- that makes yes. sense. She, I mean, she face, would have to give Sasha her a reason. Face. Right, Bailey would have to give her a reason to attack yes, her. Exactly. Right. I agree. I agree with that. Um, what was the second part? It was uh, NXT ladies. Who is going to be the star? next major star on Raw or SmackDown from NXT? Go for it. You tell me. Who do you think? Who do you have as the next big star of NXT? Well, Rhea, obviously. Okay, touche. <laughs> I thought that was going to be tough, and I'm like, no. Okay, fair no. enough. Rhea Ripley. Yeah, obviously. that's kind of an arguable. That's kind of an arguable. Rhea is just. She's top of the list. Yeah, she's she's chambered in the gun. I think right below now. that, you know, we've got Tegan Knox. Yep. Io and Mia. I you, think. No, we were discussing this on the bonus episode this last month. Do you, Nick was saying he could see Mia being a big deal on the main roster. I'm saying no. Do you think Mia could be a big star on the main roster? I do. I do. Huh. I think she's got. I think she's got a spark. I like her. I'm always happy to see her. She's engaging, interesting. She can work. Yeah. See, I would throw Shotzi Blackheart in there for all of those reasons, and I think she's got a, more of everything fair, than fair. Mia Yim. I would actually throw Shotzi in there before I would throw. Mia, and I'd put her at or above the level of Tegan Knox because Tegan's got the bum wheels, and I wonder how long her career is going to last or how much you can really rely on her um, at this point. I know they want to strap the rockets and get her to the top as quickly as possible, but I just wonder how possible that's going to be um, with those limitations, whereas I see Shotzi being very viable if Vince can get his head around her gimmick. Good points. So, All right, moving on. All right. We've got Brandon Monroe, and he says, what are your favorite one-on-one gimmick matches, and what are some examples of those matches? Two of mine would be the I Quit match uh, with JBL versus Cena at Judgment Day 2005, Uh and also a TLC match like Edge versus Cena at Unforgiven 2005. Mm. It's funny thing about that I Quit match with JBL and Cena. Looking back on it now, like at the time, you didn't know, like you thought Cena might give up, Looking at Cena has never given up. Cena he's never, never gives he doesn't, up. He's never tapped out ever. So now it's kind of like a, a it's joke to look. Literally his like catchphrase is never <laughs> right. give up. It's like a joke to look back at it now. Uh, but it was a good match. Um, bloody. Uh, let's see. Well, okay. Favorite gimmick match. Everyone knows mine's ladder matches. Mm-hmm. I love a good ladder match. And it's, it's not, they're not always easy to do. Um, off the top of my head, some of the best ladder matches of all time. Um, 
the first ones that pop into my head are some of the early ones, like um, Triple H and The Rock at SummerSlam 98. Um, Jericho and Benoit mm-hmm. uh, in their early 2000s. I think it was 2001. Um, uh, I'm just thinking about that era. The, I mean, Money in the Bank, all the Money in the Bank matches. The first one was fantastic, and it's, there's been a lot of good ones since then. Um, the first one, I'm trying to remember who all was in it. I know Jericho was in it because he invented it. Benoit, Edge, Christian, oh, Kane and Shelton Benjamin uh, were all in it. That was a good one. My problem with ladder matches is how slowly they climb up them in the WWE. Yeah, and that's one of the things is like when you have to have someone just slowly, agonizingly, painfully, obviously too slowly climbing the ladder, it can ruin every time. It can ruin, but a good one can work around that. In a good one, they you never have that moment happen. Or if you do, it's they're so beat up, it's explained. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's how you know a good ladder match happens. Or if there's other purposes to it, I'm thinking of like uh, Undertaker and Jeff Hardy back on I think it was Raw. Uh, the, the the famous one where he said, go climb the ladder, kid, make yourself famous. And he put over it <laughs> Jeff Hardy. Um, I'm trying to think of like other lesser known. Oh, God, lesser known ones. Uh, PWG, Three Mendes, Three. I'm pretty sure it was Three. It was um, a triple threat tag team ladder match. It was Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly versus Player Uno and Stu Grayson versus the Young Bucks. And obviously, all of those guys are now on your TVs every week. Yes, I was at that show. You were at Three Mendes 13, I think, or whatever it was, whatever the last one was. This was way back in like 2011. This was like one of the first Three Mendeses. You were at a Three Mendes. You were not at this Three Mendes. I wish I had been actually at this Three Mendes. It is, that match is insane. If you ever have a chance to go watch it, go check it out. Um, So, I'm sorry, I'm throwing a bunch of ladder matches out here. I love ladder matches. Um, I'm, my brain is still going on them, so I'll probably come up with another couple. But go, JB, what is your favorite gimmick match um, and an example of it? I like battle royales, but Ooh, yeah. with exception. I like the big, meaningful ones, not ones that just happen on a regular show because those can be crap. I like like the Royal Rumble. Right. Like, well, okay, so what do you think about like the Andre the Giant battle royale or like the women's battle royale when they have them at WrestleMania and it's for kind of like like they've established that yes, you get the honor, the giant prize, or the whatever. The it was going to be the, um, um, not me. I was going to be the uh, uh, Jesus. I've, I've, oh, I don't I've, know I've, what I've, you're I've saying. Can- I'm sorry. She's been canceled so hard. I, uh, fabulous Moolah. Good lord. Oh, She's been okay, canceled yeah, so yeah. hard. I even forgot her name. It was going to be the fabulous Moolah battle royale. Um, but now they changed it to the women's battle royale. So what, what do you think of? The, are those monumental enough for you, or do you like to like just straight up Royal Rumbles? I I think Royal Rumble does it better. Mm. Just is it the pomp it and does. circumstance? Sure. I well, I think it's sometimes they just throw a bunch of people in there inconsequentially and they're like just go do a thing mm, and it I ends up being boring. Right. Uh I really think it depends on who's in the match. So I can't say that I love all of them, but I do love especially moments of the like when um Keith Lee came out to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, this last one. And Brock Lesnar was like, who's this mother effer? <laughs> like, it's moments like that 
from Royal Rumbles right. where you get people who wouldn't normally encounter each other. Yes. They get to interact. That's what I like Cena about Cena and Swoggle forming a yes. team and, you know, <laughs> like that, that yeah, kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, the Wyatt family holding sway in the ring or, or yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Phoenix working for way too long with that oh, head that was busted man. wide open. Yeah. Like a beast. Oh, uh, so, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I totally, I love Royal Rumbles. It's one of my favorite pay-per-views, so totally there with you and i gotta throw out some love for tlc yes. uh, before i'm out of here because obviously that's you know it's it started off as a ladder match at wrestlemania 17 and then was tlc by the SummerSlam. so i gotta TLC throw out some love for them one and two baby <sighs> outstanding so yeah there you go there's a bunch of them all Boom. right next up we've got yardy day wanamaker yes oh god yardy what are you gonna make me say gudavand dom and ear that's all right gudavand dom and here yeah, that's exactly what I just said. Yep. Uh, I hope you I two hope. are doing great. <laughs> we're, we're doing we're doing great. We hope doing we do, well, didn't screw that up too much. Too. <laughs> I'm searching for some new anime horror movies or shows. Oh hell yeah! Do you have any recommendations? <clears throat> Be safe and have a great weekend. Thank you, and you as well. You too, um, well, this I is just, all you. I just sat through. Yeah. What you don't watch anime horror, JB? I have to say I don't. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Um, so I'm just gonna pass the mic on over. And, uh, yeah, go okay. ahead. Um, all right. Off the top of my head, some of the best modern uh, horror anime that I can think of, Parasite is necessary. Um, S-Y-T-E, Parasite. Tokyo Ghoul. Uh, the Pro- oh, The Promised Neverland. Don't read anything about Promised Neverland. Just watch it and freaking trust me. It's going to take a couple episodes, but j- get into that. And when it flips on you, it's going to flip so hard. It's going to flip so hard. That one's awesome. Oh, my. Corpse Party. I'm going to say Corpse Party Tortured Souls is a a fun, like like the grudge meets Battle Royale. Um, On Netflix, they've got Devilman Crybaby. I like like Devilman for a long time. Crybaby is pretty damn good. Um, I pref- Helsing they've got on Netflix as well. I prefer the original series as opposed to this iteration of it, but Helsing's pretty cool. Um, if you like zombies, there's uh, Soul Station, which is kind of like an animated uh, train from Busan. Um, and then, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, old school, because I'm an old school anime guy, so I like the old movies. Uh, you've got Wicked City, if you like a little bit of... It's, like, bordering on hentai, but it's Team Ninja, and it's so gnarly that movie um that's such a crazy movie it's such a so messed up um devil hunter yoko i remember being really good mermaid scar is really creepy as hell lily cat is on uh amazon right now i saw it the other day and that's a cool like cross between the thing and alien which is sweet um vampire hunter d always gotta throw out love for that they've got the old school ones, the animation is just crap, but it's such a cool story. And the new one, Bloodlust, is also amazing. Great animation in that. And if you want some Hitchcock, if I'm just doing too much like horror horror and you want more like a Hitchcock mind F, uh, you've got to check out anything by Satoshi Khan. you got Perfect Blue, which is just a great like stalker mind F. And then Paprika is the movie that they said Inception ripped off of. Uh, and it's another just mind F horror movie. So there's a whole ton of them. Boom. There you go, Yardy. I hope you had a pen and paper there, Yardy, because uh, that was a lot. Blah. Blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I just spit <laughs> them all out. 
<laughs> All right, next up we have Sean Clark. He says, hello, hello. Hello, hello, the Mop Man. What's mop up, Mop Man? Man? Hope every one of you guys and gals out there are doing well and hanging in there. If you're not, please find someone to reach out to. The only thing worse than not feeling yourself is trying to go it alone. Mm. People are there who love you and care about you. Let them love you and care about you. Well spoken, Damn, Sean. Sean. Hell well yeah. Well spoken. Well said. He says, Raw and SmackDown have been very bland lately. There are a lot of things to blame on that, global situation and whatnot, but let's not pretend they were gyms when the fans were there. What are a couple changes either of you would make to hmm. shake things up on Raw or SmackDown? Much love. Much love back, brother. Thank you. Yes. That's an interesting question because it, it is, it's been a few months since we've seen either of the brands, any of the brands, with a real crowd. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of adjustments about the tone and presentation of both brands in that time. And honestly, there's a lot of like some of the stuff that they're doing right now. I really hope that they keep when the crowds come back because the lack of crowds has allowed them to do more character work that you wouldn't otherwise hear or see really with the big crowds. And Mm -hmm. they've been able to really hone a lot of stuff that I feel in a lot of segments an audience might have derailed. So it's actually funny where I feel like if you take the best aspects of before and after the quarantine and mash them together, you're going to have something better than either. Um, so I kind of feel like the, you know, the big drawback now is the lack of crowd. There's a lot of things I like that they're doing, but then when the crowd comes back, how much are they going to revert to the, to the tropes that caused them to be somewhat lackluster before this? I don't know if we're ever going to get crowds like we did before the way things are going. Um, (laughs) that's dark. Well, no, I mean, I just mean things are changing. So I think instead of focusing on what the crowds do or do not bring, you need to create a better product from the base up. So for me, that would start with giving everyone across all the brands acting lessons, not by wrestling, not wrestling promo classes, acting lessons, true lessons from great teachers learning about character, improv, storytelling, getting those promos to a place where they're honest and they're believable from everyone. Even and on off, off of a script even. So like they would absolutely. have, right. So that would actually help their script reading. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Huh. So you don't have some people on, you know, who, who can promo till the day's end and others where every time they grab a microphone, you're like, oh God, time to get up and grab a drink or pee or whatever you yeah. got to do. You've got naturals like Seth Rollins and uh, Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Baron Corbin and Matt Riddle trying to have a promo off this week on SmackDown. <laughs> I think <laughs> it would help the product immensely and help it grow huh. naturally, bring in a wider audience if they got everyone's acting skills. Do you think, like in your experience with wrestling, do you think that there is this sense of, the business is the business. We don't want to pretend like we're actors. We are what we are. And promos are the only thing that are acceptable in this business. We don't want to accept that we're performers so much that we actually go and get acting teachers. I think that has been the case in the past, but you know what? We have to move past that. So you want to say it is a stigma is what you're saying. We are in a new age of cameras everywhere, social media, you're always on. Right. So if you are on and you feel fake, off, off-putting, it's, it's such a turnoff. 
we, we have to move past that. I think there definitely is a stigma of like, we, we get in the ring and, and, you know, we're athletes and we don't worry about the frou-frou stuff, but no. It's never been the case in the past, so it shouldn't be the case in the future. Everyone's gotten by just fine up yeah. until now kind of Times thing. Times are changing. It's right. not the 80s anymore. We, you can't promo like it's still the 80s. It just doesn't work That's now. a good point. You don't see a whole lot of like big sweaty men screaming at the camera anymore. You see a lot more people doing like Jake the Snake and just talking to the camera. Um, yeah, but some things people have evolved. aren't talking like a person. You know? Well, yeah. No, not everyone. And not everyone's Jake the Snake. Not yeah. everyone is able to just turn to the camera and speak honestly in a convincing way about how they're going to kick someone else's ass. Exactly. So I would, I would really start there. Right. Or be wildly entertaining like The Rock was. There's a reason he's a once in a lifetime talent so well, yeah because he has charisma coming out the wazoo and yeah. he's naturally a great speaker but not everyone is so we have to get everyone to that level to raise the bar of the product across all brands hmm. and i truly truly think that that would bring in a wider audience boom well said all right moving on we've got rob hutchins hello dubstep all rob. dubstep rob. rob nice it's been a minute since i've been in hope everyone is hanging in there with all the legacy families in wrestling, and seemingly if you get wrestling, you get it. If you don't, you don't. What are some ways that wrestling could grow its talent pool and who do they recruit? We still have some of the top muscle bound we still have some of the muscle bound in the buxom, but it seems like more average sized people are getting some shine. Where are they found? Dubstep Rob. This is an interesting question because and this is actually I think you're probably gonna be able to speak to this more than I am, seeing as you've been in the industry. Um, but I kind of feel like it's, it's not that there's less muscle bound people out there, although, because really that was the perception because Vince kind of owned everything, you know, that was was, his aesthetic. He was, he was, it's, it was, and still is Vince's aesthetic, the big muscly guys. And depending on what territory you were in, you might've had like just little fire plug dudes like Greg the Hammer Valentine or Arn Anderson or Tully Blanchard who were just thick dudes, Mm -hmm. but not, you know, towering behemoths of steroid-infused muscle. So it's, I don't think that the the body type is necessarily pervasive or ever was pervasive in wrestling necessarily. It's just that what was the the most visible because WWE was the most visible, right? And there've always been a lot of different body types. The thing is, is now because not only is the business changing and evolving, but the style that people expect is changing and evolving. And you're getting more people that before would have been too quote unquote small to be in wrestling going out there and doing stuff that pops a crowd. And it's always about what pops the crowd. So you're getting people that are quote-unquote, smaller out there doing crazier stuff. You know, Seth, I would never say Seth Rollins is small. He's 6'1 and ripped like Jesus, but in a Vince McMahon world, he's on the small side. Right. You know, even Roman for, like, a Vince size is on the small side. Well, I think getting back to Rob's question here is that wrestling doesn't really have to recruit. Like you said, Mm. people who get it get it. Those people seek it out. That's why, you know, it's hard to get into the performance center. It's hard to get into these companies because people who love it want it and they find it, you know, they find it. Um, But also from a like realistic point of view, like if they are looking, this is my experience, if they are looking for a specific 
character or a specific type to bring into a storyline and they don't have that on their roster, they will post casting notices and whatnot looking for that kind. And that's how um, I was drawn into the business. I always loved wrestling. I grew up watching it with my brothers and getting power bombed on the couch. And, <laughs> you know, um, Sasha Banks' bank statement, that's what I used to take out my, my brothers all the time. Long oh, no before, wonder. Long before Sasha Banks was doing it. Um, <laughs> but so, well, yeah, the, so sometimes oh, there are, um, as performers, we have specific casting websites that we have access to. So if they're looking for something specific, they will post a notice there saying, you know, looking specifically for. Sure. But that's usually the rare way in. Usually it's, you've got to go out there and pound the pavement yes. and work a whole bunch of indie matches and exactly. work your way up. That's why I said that's the exception because right. wrestling rarely recruits. It, yeah. And, and the only time they recruit is that way, basically like that kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my experience. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's a very good point. Like, you know, how do, how do they grow their talent? Well, the talent has to want it. You have to have people be fans of the product, get excited by it, get invested in it, and then want to be in it. It's um, like being a rock star. No one is recruiting rock stars. You well have said. to go out and work your ass off to be a rock star. Well said. Well said. All right. Moving on. We've got Will James. Good afternoon, sir, Ian, and Howdy. welcome back, JB. Thank you. So I would assume and hope that with AJ's time left on his contract, they may try to strap him in a tag team to round out his Grand Slam type resume. Using the current roster on all three brands, who would you pair him with in a title run? Brian, Finn, and even KO are obvious choices to me, but wondering if you have favorites with these three or others. I mean, he's right. Uh, Finn would be the most obvious one. That would just be, uh, that's like Nick booking right there. <laughs> I'd Finn say and AJ, AJ and Daniel Bryan. That would be awesome, especially with how much they've been in each other's orbit recently. Mm -hmm. um, who the hell would stop them? I'd that's put that sure. in my eye holes. Yeah, right. Hello. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. That would be a, that'd be a really cool one. Um, and maybe it's just me. I like the idea of him with a monster, with like a really big guy. But maybe that's just me thinking and like juxtaposing him with Finn and, mm -hmm. and, and Bad Luck Fale in, in New Japan. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who in, in, uh, in WWE that's, that would be big enough. Are you thinking like Braun? Um, yeah, I just wouldn't want Braun in a tag team. You know, He's kind of doing his own thing yeah. too. Um, and even Drew McIntyre, I think, is advanced beyond that at this point. You know, I, yeah, but I, I, I think of that. I think of I think of Drew and Dolph and like that kind of dynamic, you know, uh, but just more exciting. <laughs> I don't know, AJ. I, it's funny. I've never really imagined AJ in a tag team. This is kind of I'm not I'm not going to lie. This is kind of catching me broadside. He's too phenomenal by himself. Yeah, he's I, I see him in a faction, but he's <laughs> always the singles guy. And then he's with a tag team. That's always how I've seen him. OK, picture this. Well, he wasn't a tag team with Amazing Red back in the day. But he was much younger. He's a very different AJ then. Sorry, picturing what? AJ and Adam Cole. Bebe. Huh. Huh. Yep. I, I mean, can see it. I can see it. I don't know if I'd be happy about it, but I can see it and I can see it working. Who's going to upstage who in that, though? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. It's a whole lot of personality. That's a whole lot of personality. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, on the one hand, I'm struggling to see it. On the other hand, I can totally see it. 
Just picture them both with their hair down chewing gum next to each other. (laughs) (laughs) All right. AJ and AC. I'm not mad at that. AJ and AC. AJ and AC. Yeah. Um, ah, Fair enough. Not mad at that. Did you pick your big guy? Oh, no. I, I totally got stumped. <laughs> okay. I totally stumped myself. I just, I went, I went with, I, I agree with you on, on your picks. Those are good calls. All right. Well, then moving on, we've got Esme Booby Champ. Esme. Hey. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. She says, greetings, pod people. A very welcoming hello to Miss JB. Thank you, Esme. Thank you for filling in for Nick. Always a treat having you on. Yeah. Aww. As a wrestler, what's some of your biggest pet peeves when watching wrestling? <laughs> something you touch at or simply wish you would see less of? And what's something you would like to see more can, of? Can I what are you laughing at over there? Okay. Can, can I get? <laughs> Why are you laughing? I can't even get through the question. Can I, can I please guess what your pet peeve is? <sighs> Go ahead. Someone's outfit becoming untucked or not feet not okay. not fitting right. Okay, if okay. The outfit, Mia Yim's pants falling down in the May Young Classic. That I was remember horrendous. you were doing backflips in 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 frustration. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because you never see the men's pants coming off in a match. All I right, ju- what I just watched this week. Oh, who was it? Someone, someone, uh, someone almost lost their drawers. Did you this see week. crack? Yes, there was full-on crack. If he hadn't turned around, I'd have seen crack. I didn't see crack. I've got... I'm going to go... I'm going to go... Hold on. I'm going to check the note. I'm going to figure out who it was. All right, you look for crack over there, crackhead, and I'll... Yes, outfits. Okay, if they're ill-fitting, which is a problem with women, mostly with women, I've noticed, uh, first starting... And I think it's, you know, just a matter of finding the right seamstress and trying out the outfits wrestling in them before you go on television with them. I hate to be taken out of a match by seeing someone adjust their top or adjust their pants or being worried about something spilling out that is not supposed to be spilling out. If you know what I mean, I've seen some nip. I don't want to see it in my wrestling. Okay. Speak for yourself. Um, but okay, uh, I couldn't figure out who it was, but I, I'm pretty exactly. sure I've, I've narrowed it down to AEW. It okay. might have, it might have been, uh, might have been Chucky e. T. Someone had their pants pulled halfway down. I know um, Pineapple Pete almost lost his drawers on Dark. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Uh, but Pineapple Pete does not have the best fit in drawers. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter who it is. Make sure your pants and your top fit. <laughs> um, not everyone can else? be married to is to a seamster. No, but everyone can hire one. Um, also, Damn, cold as ice. when she asked me for my pet I'm peeves, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Jeez. Is that a pet peeve right there? Yes. Okay. Also, when someone's, um, like the force of their move does not match the energy that it is received with, um, for example, hmm. anything Alexa Bliss does, oh. she, the, she never makes it look like she's hitting hard enough. For the people to actually fall and take the bump as hard as they do. And I blame her for that because she, as small as she is, she needs to be implying that there is a lot more force. So she has to go harder is what you're saying. The smaller you are, the harder you have to look like you're hitting. Exactly. Otherwise, it just looks unbelievable that you're knocking anybody over. Hmm. So that's, that's something I notice a lot in energy exchange because it's something I've, I've trained in a lot is 
it's literally exchange, called yeah. energy exchange and weight sharing. So when someone's not doing their part to make it match up, that's that sticks out to me. Hmm. Maybe Alexa Bliss should go to Japan and train with Taiji Ishimori. Just throwing it out there. Maybe she should. Maybe she should. All right. Um, and then things I would like to see more of. Yes. Would be um, honest promos. Like we were talking about earlier with the yep. acting classes. Yep. I love when someone is believable when get you they speak. In, get you involved. Yes. Like I want to feel like I am watching a movie, not a soap opera. If you know what I mean. Well, what about? Well, now hold on, because soap operas, uh, wrestling is a soap opera, but it's. But I feel like yes, but soap opera acting is not a compliment. <laughs> okay, touche. <laughs> but it would be if they could accomplish even soap opera acting in wrestling, it would be an improvement. Would you agree? For some people, yes. Okay. But I want to see better because the potential is there and we have such amazing superstars. These people are superstars. So it, like, it's nothing that a little acting class couldn't fix, which Vince has the budget to provide to everyone. So I just want to see them take that next step. And I love it when they do. Um, what's, a, what's a recent promo that really flipped your wig that you were like, oh man, I believed him or I believed her when she said that about their upcoming match or about their opponent like who, who? I'm, well edges i have grit like that was yeah passionate it was belie- like he you could feel his emotion i want to feel the heart i want to feel the emotion Edge. i want it to be real it's Ed- my wrestling it's still real to me you know what's ironic about that what Edge took acting classes. He's off trying well, yeah, to be a movie star exactly exactly he's on the the viking show yep and there's the difference there's the difference. Yeah. I want everyone to reach that level because I think they're capable of it. So why not? Yep. Why not? Fair. Good um, call. Yeah. And then also like when a move is just so smooth as butter that you can't even tell who's putting it on who. You just like get lost in the teamwork of it. What's an example oh. from this week of that? Oh, gosh. Let me think. Let me think. Um, well... I remember you. I remember Oni, you telling you telling me that you were really high on Sasha this week. You thought she was really smooth. Did she have a move this week that, uh, in particular, stood out to you? I remember a few times during that match being like, "Ooh, that was good. That was smooth. Ooh, um, she came off of the top ropes with the knees. Oh, the meteora. Yes, yes, yes the meteora. That was smooth as butter. That was a. That, that was, was a. She has a really butter. nice meteora. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, Oni and Timothy. It's not my favorite style of working, but they work really well together and And there you got two guys who were like you said with alexa they're believable yes and those reversals are just quick and they're snappy and yeah yep agreed yep yep agreed okay Mm -hmm. that's that all right moving on we got billy stickler yep jb welcome back (laughs) get a lot of those today uh, (laughs) it's always a pleasure when you're around seriously i do mean that billy my heart There have been a ton of next big things in wrestling. Yes. Some work out and become stars like Lesnar, Rollins, Reigns, and Orton. Others, however, fall flatter than flat, like Nathan Jones, Heidenreich, Matt, and Matt Morgan. We all know the ones. Mm-hmm. Who is the next big thing you just can't believe didn't work out? They had everything you wanted to see, but they just kind of blew it somehow. 
Also, for the horror fans, go on Shudder and check out Scare Package. Mm-hmm. It's a throwback to 80s horror cheese and a love letter to the horror fans. I adore it, and I hope you all will, too. Stay phenomenal, folks. It's on my list. I definitely want to check out Scare Package. I'm saving it up for October when I do my 31 for 31. Um, man, uh, people that never worked out. You know, it's Next f- big things that fell flat. You know what's funny is that most of the time, if a next big thing fell flat, I knew why they fell flat. Nathan Jones, I knew why he fell flat. Mm-hmm. He couldn't wrestle. Heidenreich was just, you know. <laughs> That'll do it. They, they screwed up him in seven different ways from Sunday. Matt Morgan was never really given a chance, and I feel like he kind of redeemed himself over in TNA, but it just ne- nothing ever came together. Um, Lex Luger had a lot of pieces that Vince just, he didn't put it together in the right way at the right time. He was trying to replicate Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot, like every time there's a quote, next big thing, I'm always like, well, I understand why they didn't become the next big thing. Even Roman Reigns, who has been the man for the last five or six years, you could argue in some ways, I I think in five years, we might look back on the Roman era as Roman being a bust. You know, the Lex era went on for a couple of years. Um, it took him a while to realize it. Roman, we might look back at Roman as being a bust, depending on how things come about after the quarantine here, because Vince could just never get him as over as he wanted him to be. And by the time he got over, he wasn't in the main event picture anymore um, and just kind of fizzled away. Um, so I can't, I, I feel like Roman could have been the man, but Vince just tried pushing him too hard. Um, but like other ones I can think of, Mr. Kennedy should have been the man, but just shot himself in the foot. Uh, Lashley just wasn't booked right for whatever reason, although he's kind of on yeah, the... Yeah, he's making a bit of a comeback now. I love what they're doing with him now, but he's never going to be the man. He's too old now. Um, oh, he's in his 40s? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he's ever going to be. Um, what about you? Do you have any that uh, you can think of that you were always kind of like... I like well, him, or I knew, or or you understood why they didn't become the man. Well, I, my mind goes to a few things a bit more recently. Um, Ricochet. Interesting. Do you ever think that it was the intention to have him be the man, or was he like a failed experiment? Like, because Vince does a lot of experiments. I don't think they gave him enough of a chance. I think Ricochet has everything he needs. Yeah, he's a small guy, but he's relatively so. <laughs> Well, yeah, compared to Vince's likes, but he's so incredibly talented. I yeah. wish that they had pushed him harder and used him more and like given him a fair, more fair shake. Yes, because I, I think he would have rose to every occasion. Do you think that they that they're done with him? Like, can you see him having a resurgence at some point? Like they're sending Maybe him down to- years down the line if Oof. something happens. But I feel like, you know, he's kind of faded now he had that that shiny new toy right. thing about him, and oh, that's no. that's gone away, which makes me sad because I he's incredible, and I I, yeah. I wanted I wanted more for him on the main roster, and I also wanted more for Ember, but she got injured. Ember is a great that's a great one too, where they they were keeping her so strong yeah. in her matches, and they were obviously waiting to do something they with were her, setting her up for yeah. something, and then it all just fell apart. Good point. That's a good one. Ember's a good one. I think that's, that's, and she's one that's like, we might look back that way at for sure. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with her if she's able to recover and come back and maybe finally get, you know, what she deserves. But I I don't know at this point. It sounds like it's up in the air at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. Oof. Good call. Yep. Yep. 
Um, all right, moving on. Marshall Inlow. Evening, Ian and JB. Good evening. Hi, hi. Let's say social media was in full swing during the Monday Night Wars. Oh, Ooh. God. <laughs> oh, God. How do you think oh. the fan response to the big moments would be like they are today? Also, what wrestlers would you think would get the most hate as far as being pushed too much? And what wrestlers would fans be begging for? Thanks for everything you guys do. And it's always a pleasure to hear the queen of BWO make an appearance. <laughs> oh, man. I want that on a shirt. Laying it on thick. <laughs> Can I get that on a shirt? Marshall. We might have to. The next, time, next round of uh, merch, maybe I'll have to make one up. Yes. Hey. I love that. As a way to, as a way to get you back on the show. Please <laughs> come back. W-O. We'll make you a shit. I'll please. wear that every day. <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> um that's a real Okay, so the idea of social media as someone who lived through the Monday Night Wars. Um I know you were but a wee child then, JB, <laughs> but an old a dirty old dirty old Surrey and Dangers over here lived through that time and let me tell you, man, it was ugly enough between WCW fans and WWE fans without the kind of vitriol and ugliness that you have on Twitter and Facebook these days. Good Lord, I would not wish social media on us back then, even if it was on my worst enemy. Oh, it would have been huge. It would have been horrific. Nine million people uh, watching WWE, eight to nine million people watching a week. Good God. Um, I mean, more than that, if you count both brands. So, good God, that would have been absolutely insane. And, you know, that was obviously before you had the internet and all of the access that you have now to all the different aspects of the company. So, you know, back then there was a lot of guessing. You could actually surprise people. They could throw swerves. You didn't know all of the backstage drama that was going on necessarily. Um, At least, by and large, people didn't. You know, the really, really hardcore people who were reading wrestling observer pw torch whatever like you would might know but it was still like a lot of it was the wild west so i don't know a lot of big moments might have been spoiled more you would have had people sniping at things more there was so much more just kind of blind fandom then and you still had people complaining about you know oh so and so is getting like you know remember die rocky die for god's sake right um so, so it's so we've got a little bit of back and forth right now between the brands with the, with the ratings war, if you will. I watched but, Brian Alvarez post today. He all he did was post just the ratings for SmackDown. He didn't say anything. Just SmackDown yep. got one point seven seven million people. That's all he posted. And in the comments, you had people going nuts about, well, that's just because WWE sucks and you can see all the people leaving and everyone else going, yo, well, AEW still half of that. It's, the people are still sniping about it in a nothing post. Can you imagine social media with the Montreal screw job? I almost spit on my water. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, God. Good call. The internet would be split. It was already split before we had the internet. Shawn Michaels would have been hashtag canceled. I like, wonder, yeah, if we'd had more information then. Um, Owen's death might have been a much bigger deal if social media had been yes. able to spread it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the infamous that'll put butts in seats with Mick Foley winning the title um, when social media had something to do with it. Like all of those would have been crazy. I will say that um, Stone Cold is awesome at the internet now, so he probably still would have been awesome at it then. Well, but he was he's a very different guy now than he is then, and he'll tell you that. 
Yeah. He's learned a lot. He's a much cooler guy. Well, he's not smacking his wife for one thing these days. So right. he's, he's learned a lot since those days when he would openly admit that he was a bit of a mess mentally. And I wonder if he's one of the guys that would have been turned on because stuff like him shaking up Deborah in the hotel room would have become a bigger deal because him taking his ball and going home and not jobbing to Brock Lesnar would have been a bigger deal because him getting put over at every single event coming out and running through everyone in the invasion angle, giving them all stunners would have been, people would have crapped on it. They would have been like, Oh, you're pushing stone cold too hard. Oh, he gets to go through everybody. I wonder if that, if he would not have been so over okay. if social media had been there to grind him down. So, to uh, Marshall's question here, you're saying that you think the internet would have turned on Stone Cold? I think the internet would have eaten Stone Cold alive. Who do you think they would have lifted up? Jesus. Uh, maybe Jeff Hardy? He was kind of an underdog at the time. I'm trying to think of people that were... Or, you know, they would have definitely had a lot of opinions about the invasion angle. The Booker T mm-hmm. thing might have been very different um, and how he was treated. I think a lot... Uh, I think Diamond Dallas Page coming over and becoming a stalker would have been crapped on way harder had they been so focused on their social media. Um, that would have had a very different reaction. I think Kevin Nash and the finger poke of doom would have killed WCW way quicker. Um, yeah, there's a lot of the big moments that I think would have had a much bigger ripple effect yeah. if there had been more of an echo chamber of the wrestling. A lot more inflammatory. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it was already the Monday Night Wars. It was already pretty, I- right. It was already... It was already uh, um, fodder for the next day when he got to the to the to high school or to college or to the the water cooler like it was already a big enough deal imagine it being instantaneous oh my gosh it would have been nuts yep exactly all right next up we've got kyle cotton two questions this week yeah kyle there are generally eh, there generally has been criticism of how wwe has handled rhea ripley in the wake of her losing her match to charlotte and moving into a comedy angle Hmm. with robert stone However, this isn't the first time Rhea has felt this way after losing the NXT UK title to Tony Storm. Ripley entered into a feud with Piper Niven that, even though Niven is a good talent in her own right, felt like she didn't belong in the ring with Ripley because of everything Ripley has in terms of natural charisma, look, and ability. So my question is, how do you book someone like Rhea Ripley, who is a badass with star presence in the wake of big losses when away from the title so others can have an opportunity? while still maintaining their aura, particularly when you don't want to turn them heel because of how over as a face they were and still can be. You know, honestly, to answer that, um, I think that if we look at how they booked her, we were just talking about this on... uh, On the other episode. Yeah, where we were like, on paper, we don't like her being in a mid-card comedy uh, gig. But here she is looking like an absolute monster demolishing these two jabronis. And still looking like a beast. The only thing is people who are impatient and want her to get back to the title picture and you can't always have her in the title picture. Sometimes you have to decelerate, you have to shift down into third gear to be able to put it in fifth later. We were talking about this with Inner Circle where you have to decelerate them and have them lose a few and then they can come back and have a big win streak later. Take a breath. You have to pull that arrow backwards in order to shoot it out far. Boom. Exactly. And she'd gone about as far as she could go with the Charlotte thing. You've got to let other women be in the title picture. You've got to let EO have some space to breathe. And so taking her away accomplishes that. If we just focus on Rhea and think that she's the be-all, end-all, she must be a big deal no matter what, that's how you get a Hogan. That's how you get a Cena. That's how you get a Roman Reigns. You have to be willing to accept that sometimes 
the big stars can be bigger by letting them pull back from the main event and then letting them come back and having a cool story that gets them back into the main event. Yeah, protect them from overexposure. Boom. So I think it's either what they're already doing right now or take her off TV for a bit and we we still want to see her. So let her, you know, let her kill Robert Stone and Aaliyah. And- yeah. And sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder and sometimes showing a little bit of variety. You know, we now know that Rhea can look fun in a comedy match and still look strong. And she can make it work. She can make it work. So. All right. So Kyle's next question. Mm. Where do you feel this negative perception of the big show comes from as a performer, especially in today's wrestling world? To me, he's always been the perfect veteran to have around when you are trying to build new talent, given his ability to co- always come off as a threat, unselfishness in wanting to put people over, dating all the way back to Cena, mm. and great knowledge of how to present a story to make others look good with him. I get it's a running joke about always turning face or heel, but at the same time, the man does have a mind for what works with the crowd, as he was an early advocate for both John Cena and Becky Lynch. You're, he's completely right about Big Show needing to get more respect, but at the same time, he also pointed out something that's one of the biggest downsides of Big Show is that we can't get behind him and more people don't get behind him because you never know what you're going to get. Exactly. He's not consistent. His booking isn't consistent. His morality isn't consistent. It's it's hard to care about someone you can't rely on to be there or to be one way right. or another. What big show are we getting tonight, basically? Exactly. And, and it's hard. Like, when he does turn on people, it's hard to care because we've seen it so many times. Yep. Um, I like how he's pre- being presented right now. He's he's coming out defending Edge's honor. He's a legend. I like how he's... I like the, his promos that he's cutting. They sound you know, threatening without being, you know, he's, he's not drooling over himself in the slot and, and he's not being over the top with it. It's just enough to, to get it across. I'm liking his presentation. But again, um, he's been this, utilit- this utilitarian special attraction for nearly his entire career of being in the WWE, whether it's fighting freaking Floyd Mayweather or yeah. whether it's, um, you know, coming out to try to screw Stone Cold out of the title in a cage match at King of the Ring 98. He's always been breaking case of glass big show. And that's part of the problem is that much like with Dolph Ziggler, you can always plug dogs, uh, dog Ziggler. Hi, dog (laughs) Ziggler. He's asleep right now. You can always plug Dolph Ziggler into a feud and you're going to have a, probably a good match. He'll cut some good promos, but we've all, we always know what we're going to get. And we've seen it too many times to truly invest in care. Right. And that's, I think the issue. It's like, hey, have a surprise for dinner. Ooh, what is it? Corn. Okay, great. I'll eat it, but I'm not excited. What's your problem with corn? I grew up in Indiana, okay? Oh, touche. Touche. There's nothing wrong with corn. I'll have it, but I'm not excited about it. A California boy cannot relate to that. I'm sorry. I can only imagine the corn. Like Wisconsin. What's for dinner tonight? Corn. Cheese. Cheese. It's Wisconsin. Cheese. Cheese. Well, you got to. Cheese. You put it on the corn. We're in Michigan. What's for dinner? Beer. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Gerardo Garcia. Tell me, I'm, tell me I'm lying. Gerardo Garcia. Nice. What's up? Welcome back, dude. He asks, favorite ruthless aggression era mid-carter? Mine has always been Eugene. Oh, ruthless aggression. I immediately was starting to think about attitude era. Damn. Um, Eugene's a good, that's a good one. He should not have been as good as he was. That was a, a gimmick that should have been horrible and insulting, and he was just so good at that. Whenever I 
I, so I just reading Ruthless Aggression, I immediately flashed back to John Cena in the, um, the Firefly Funhouse match. Ruthless Aggression! Ruthless Aggression! <laughs> I think that's a natural thing to do, is just flashing back to John Cena saying Ruthless Aggression. Well, it is now. I, I, me, for me, it's Vince. But yeah, I, I feel you. Um, that's tough, because Ruthless Aggression... I might, get, I might get strung up for this. The end of Ruthless Aggression and the first few years of PG era are my least favorite era of WWE. And that includes the early 90s. Mm. I might get strung up for that. I'm sorry. I just wasn't, it was not my time. I was not enjoying it at the time. That being said, people I enjoyed were kind of some of the leftovers from the invasion, the ECW side, like Rhino. Um, uh, I, I, I like Crash Holly around that era. Yeah. Shelton. Benjamin, Benjamin was my boy. <laughs> I love Shelton Benjamin. He's my dude. He still is. They just don't use him. Yeah. Um, there's a guy you could say could have been the man at one point. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, Paul London. I'm going to throw out Paul London into that, into that as well. I'm going to throw out Regal. Oh, dude. William Regal. Regal and Tajiri. They were the funniest. Oh, my God. Yes. Great call. Great call. And um, Molly Holly. Ye- oh, dude. We saw Molly go around this week. We did. Thank you, Tegan. Yeah. That's a great call. She always got underused. She was very underappreciated at the time. Well, the women in the whole roster well, okay, were a touche. little... Yeah. <laughs> Unless you were Lita Trish or Tori Wilson or, or um, oh, George Clooney's ex-girlfriend. Um, yeah, you didn't really get a whole lot of love back then. So, yeah. Stacey Keebler. Dang. Sorry. All I could think was legs. <laughs> um, yeah, no, good call. Good call. There's some good ones. All right, moving on. We've got Austin Topper. Yep. Hey, guys. Hope all is well. I know Nick's not here to weigh in with his magnificent booking skills. (laughs) You all right over there? (laughs) You okay? Oh, something's stuck in my throat. Uh Sorry. But I was thinking that Kyle O'Reilly is going to turn on Undisputed. Mm. I feel he's the younger one and Bobby Fish is older and too injury prone to go solo. Adam and Strong both had singles runs in Undisputed. I think when they split, he will be the one that should turn and go for a singles push. He's amazing in ring and could make for great feuds. Do you think this is a good idea? What are your thoughts on Undisputed as far as breakup angle and if it's soon coming? That's it. I'm tr- now, I'm racking my brain because Cole and O'Reilly used to be in a tag team, um, and I just referenced them earlier about three men to three, and they were called Future Shock. And I'm trying to remember who turned on who in that because uh, I know they also had a singles uh, feud back then, and they beat the crap out of each other. And I'd love to see O'Reilly versus Cole again um, because that would be freaking awesome. So yeah, Austin, I'm 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 down. I'm down for O'Reilly turning and maybe going face or Adam going face after his title runs done. Whenever that's going to be, either next week or SummerSlam or whenever he finally, whenever Carrying uh, Cross gets his hands on him. Um, if he goes face, either way, I I, I I'm down for this. I, Kyle O'Reilly, I think, is a guy that has been cruising with Undisputed Era, but could show a lot more. Uh, in a singles career, but it's they've been together so long at this point. It is kind of hard to imagine how Undisputed is going to uh, function if they all split up and go their own separate ways. I agree with his assessment about Fish um, and Strong. I think will be fine on his own because we've seen him be singles. 
But yeah, I would love to see Cole and, and uh, O'Reilly get back into a singles feud. That'd be a lot of fun. So you think O'Reilly is going to start a dispute within Undisputed? I don't know if he's going to be the one that breaks them up. Um, I think they just might fall apart. But if he ends up going face and him and Cole have a feud at some point, at any point, I'd be down with that. That's just nostalgia, though. Kyle O'Reilly steals Adam Cole's pack of gum. <laughs> and Brooke booking. Are we getting Brooke booking here? Yes. <laughs> and everything falls apart from there. Okay. okay. I can't stand Undisputed Era. So, you know, however they fall apart, <laughs> fine. They're down there with Barry Break Corbin the for frat- you, aren't they? Yeah. Break up the frat house. Any way you want to do it. Just... <laughs> Just set it on fire. This is the wrong question for you. You hate Adam Cole. Uh. Don't call me, baby. <laughs> Dang. Anyway, Uncle Greg. What's up, Uncle? Hey, hey. He said, if you ever played any, what was your favorite wrestling game? Oh. I played in real life growing up. We didn't, we didn't play the video games. We just threw each other around. See, okay, so this is a tough one for me. So they've asked, we've been asked this before on this show. And I actually have not played as many video games, uh, wrestling video games specifically, as I probably should to be legitimate. I played No Mercy back in the day. I played um, WCW versus NWO. Both of those are absolute absolute classics. My favorite wrestling game of all time was Nintendo NES Wrestling. Way back in the day (laughs) with the the Shark Man. I always played the Shark Man. Chew you on the head. Yeah, that's right. You know... Oh, yeah. You know about the cartridges? I, I remember the cartridges. So I'm actually the wrong person to ask about this. Like, I, I've got to say, and I, I don't like the, the 2K games. I always feel like they're clunky. Like, I love the character creation in them, and I love the ability to make your entrances and stuff. But once you get to the playing of the game, it's just so... It's like trying to drive a boat down a highway. <laughs> it just it sucks. Um I'm Mortal much, Kombat has always been my favorite fighting you. game. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm 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 a fighting game dude, and so if, yeah. you, if you get me doing a wrestling game, it's just so inaccurate and so hard to play. I like precision in my fighting games. I like, I, right? Yeah, Mortal Kombat is sick. Street Fighter is sick. Tekken. Mm-hmm. I used to be a Tekken god. Soul Calibur. What have you? Give me that. But the wrestling games just never did it for me. Right. I do have, like I said, nostalgia for No Mercy and WCW versus NWO. That's about it for me, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I feel bad saying that, but... Well, that's all right. When they make a better one, we'll play. Yeah. I don't know about the big head one they got coming out later this year. That one looks horrible. Oh, my God. It looks so terrible. Right? I can't believe that... I, ugh, don't get me started. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> Jonathan Malo says, special salute to you guys for still putting up the content today. Dang right. If you were to create an entrance... With the 4th of July theme, what would be your ring gear, theme song, and most importantly, what type of pyro Ooh. would you use? Also, what taunts would you do? It can be cheesy, cool, or whatever you want it to be. Dang. Okay, so proud to be American comes into my head first thing. Oh, wow. You're ready, you're, you're ready to go on to this. to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. I want to borrow Sasha's ring gear from this week because that was awesome. Um taunts i would do uh, i'd probably do i don't know maybe like an orange cassidy thing to the proud to be american because you know america's a mess right now oh gee and, oh wow um, shooting hard on the home with a free i for pyro 
I just want sparklers. Just all the like sparklers. Anticlimactic sparklers. You want like Goldberg sparklers? Just like little, like little ones you can get at the dollar oh, store. Oh, you want like the hand sparklers? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. That's it. That's me. All right. Your turn. I mean, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna come out like Apollo Creed, <laughs> like in Rocky Four, in like in a, in a, in tails, in oh, in a red, gosh. white, and blue tails with a top hat. I'm okay. having like the gigantic twenty foot wide, like they they look like the little like the fans. You hold the little, uh, it's what is it? Like you hold it in your hand, and there's like a little fan on the end of it. What is it? And you walk. For, uh, what and are you talking about? It. There's if you've seen Rocky Four, you know what I'm talking about. There's sparklers going in every direction on these gigantic fans. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Right, like the you've fire got, dancer ones. You've got I'm a real American Hulk Hogan's theme playing because what is more American than Hulk Hogan's I'm a real American theme, and followed by Eye of the Tiger. Um, I've got hacksaw. Two song entrance. I've got hacksaw. Damn right, it's gonna take me that long to get all the way around the crowd, parading around, being as American as possible. Oh lord! I come out with a two by four, like hacksaw Jim Duggan, a two by four in my hand, carved into the shape of a rifle, so that I can say you can pry it from my cold dead hands, like Charlton Heston. My. And I'm gonna go ho and come out, and every time that my taunt is pointing the rifle at somebody and discharging it, fake discharging it, because what is more American than firing a gun in front of a whole bunch of fireworks while listening to I Am Real American and dressed in the American flag? That's... I was not expecting you to go that hard. Bam. I go... I was not expecting I'm going hard. That. I'm coming out eating fried chicken. I was going to say, the only thing you're missing is like coming out with a cheeseburger or a hot dog. Um, a fried chicken and a hot dog. I'm grilling. I'm grilling as I come out. I'm oh like literally God. flipping dogs <sighs> on the grill as I wheel the grill out. I'm coming out like Dean Ambrose with a whole cart. I got mustard and everything. I'm flipping Relish. dogs. I'm throwing dogs to the crown like New uh-huh. Day with the pancakes. Yep. I've got it all. I've, it's like a synthesis of every group ever. Uh, I, I've synthesized it all into my great American entrance. And that's what I'm calling it. Well, the great an American entrance. Are you going to be wearing pantaloons? Um, hammer pants. They're going to actually hammer be, pants. yes, it. like the camel pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I guess you really can see the American flag on it. Yep. Um, and then I'm actually going to have an American flag tucked into the back of my pants oh. so it flows out behind me underneath okay. my tails. So you've got three levels of fluttering behind right. me because I'm also yeah. coming out actually draped in an American flag. Oh, that too. Oh, oh yeah, over the shoulders. Oh, so you have to have too. as many okay. flags as possible at once. Um, and I've also got like little tassels on the top hat so they flutter in the breeze as well. So it's, it's really, it's a whole ensemble if you will. I am so scared that you just actually inspired someone to go out. I hope I did. And do all of I that. I hope I did. I'm here to inspire on the 4th of July. Wow. So. Wow. Thank you for Jonathan for <laughs> for making that happen. Putting that image in your mind. Uh, I'm I'm speechless, but I'm I'm just gonna read the next Move question because I don't I don't I don't know how to respond to it. Right. James Taylor save us. Right James Taylor Greetings and salutations. I hope all is well with you and your loved ones. And to you, sir. Yes. JB, welcome back. I am sure you will knock it out of the park as always. So Thank far, you, so James. Good. So far so good. Today is a bit of a different question as it concerns comic books. As a child, my uncle introduced me to comics, and I have been a fan ever since. Mm. However, in my later years, I grew tired of the typical cape and tights tight, superhero comics of Marvel and DC. Again, my uncle was there to introduce me to a whole new world of comics that had everything from sci-fi, horror, or just straight drama. He also introduced me to some superhero comic that approached the idea from a different perspective. Nice. 
What are some of your favorite comics that are not superhero based or tell a superhero story with a different point of view? Mm. A few of my favorites are Midnight Nation, Astro City, and of course, V for Vendetta. Yeah. Hope both of you stay safe and have a wonderful 4th of July. Can't go wrong with Alan Moore. Thank you very much, James. Thank you. Oh, this is, I'm going to dig my teeth into this one, but I thought maybe I'll give you a shot at it first because I'm going to, I'm going to. Because you're just going to go. I'm frothing at the mouth. I'm frothing at the mouth. Okay. Um. I'd say, first of all, Sandman. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely a different take. Not not a superhero story. It kind of started superhero-y, and then he just went off and did his own thing, didn't he? It, it's very artsy and philo- philosophical and, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, oh, 100%. You stole one of mine. So, way to go. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> and um, Umbrella Academy, which... Uh, has a show on Netflix, which if you haven't seen it, it's pretty awesome. And they are about to have a new season come out. So I'd say, yeah, those are my, those are my. Have you watched the boys? I've heard that one was a really good kind of takeoff and like, like twist in the superhero genre. No. Is that Netflix as well? Uh, I don't know. I forget forget what it's on. I don't know that one. Hmm. Well, um, let me me stretch here all right right. so off the top of my head if you want like left of center comic books um i'll run down my kind of my my holy ones that i always say transmetropolitan by warren ellis um preacher don't watch the tv show read the damn comic book um i'm just thinking about my favorite authors warren ellis transmetropolitan uh garth ennis preacher uh grant morrison the filth the Filth is one of my favorite uh, single graphic novels of all time. Con- single contained graphic novel. It's absolutely freaking bizarre. It's got horror. It's got mind trip. It's got superhero stuff in it, kind of. It's absolutely unbelievable. And then at the end, it all, I mean, the more you read it, the more you get out of it. But I feel like it comes together at the end. I freaking love that comic book immensely. Um, also, I love Japanese comics, Berserk. Mm-hmm. Is it, Berserk is one of my favorites. They're now releasing it in um, this, these beautiful big uh, three books in one packages. Um, so I'm finally getting to get like good sized versions of that. Um, anything by Junji Ito, uh, like Uzumaki, be a great place to start with him if you like horror comics. Um, you mentioned Sandman, JB. I Lucifer did. is actually a, is, is a spinoff and it became a TV show that's absolute crap. But the comic yeah. book that it's based on is fantastic. Um, trying to think. Let's uh, Bone. If you like more like young adult stuff, Bone is really good. Elf Quest, if, as well, is one of my old favorites. If you like kind of young adult fantasy, um, very much not like a typical superhero one. Um, and then um, let's see. Matt Wagner is one of my guys that I I love. Uh, Mage the Hero Discovered. But then also he did another comic book series called Grendel, and it'd be really hard to track all of those down because. They were kind of done here and there over the years. Um, but there was one called Grendel Devils and Deaths, Grendel Tales, Devils and Deaths, which is one of my favorite uh, single comic books as well. And it was actually written and drawn in the middle of the, um, the Serbian War. And bombs were literally dropping while this guy was, was illustrating this comic book. Wow. And it's about this post-apocalyptic future where everything's kind of gone to crap. And it's absolutely breathtaking so there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of them right there that's a good starting oh and hellboy hellboy (laughs) how could i forget hellboy how could you hellboy bprd anything mike mignola 
Damn. Oh. Well, that's enough to keep someone You're occupied right. okay, for I'll a shut few up now. years. <laughs> a few years of reading there for you. You got me on my nerd rants again, guys. On a nerd rant. Yeah, yes, yeah, we're talking about comic books, <laughs> movies. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to go on a nerd rant here. We're supposed to be talking about wrestling, but no. Well, on that note. Yep. Our last question. <laughs> we made it. We made it. It's from Brian Average. And oh, yeah. he asks, he says, hope I'm not too late. You You're were not, not too late. You, you made, made it. it. Quick non-wrestling question. What are some of your favorite Grindhouse style films? Oh, shit, Any son. style or genre. Oh, this is all you again, oh, Brew. Oh, shit, son. Oh, shoot. Oh, you guys you've done it asked now. the Sir Ian Dangerous questions today. He you, is so excited. They asked some JB questions, too. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, they, see... Grindhouse is my jam. Most of my favorite movies are Grindhouse movies. And the problem with Grindhouse is if you say, what are your favorite Grindhouse-style films, that's literally thousands of movies because Grindhouse can, that can incorporate exploitation, kung fu, uh, horror, uh, straight-up exploitation, giallo. Um, There's so many movies that fall into that. You know, I don't think I know exactly what grindhouse style means. That's the thing. Do you thing. have like a definition? They're they're lower budget films that were produced typically in like the from the late '60s to the early '80s. Um, typically, that you would have a, a low budget that the studio would throw your way, or you have to figure out a way to get the money for them. Um, kind of like an indie. Kind of like, like an, an indie, indie except, horror film, except that they would they would usually be. Uh, uh, geared for one audience in particular. Um, and the thing about, like, it's it's usually, you would see them, like, in a cheap movie theater. They'd be a double feature sometimes. Um, so, like, a, a grindhouse actually used to refer to the actual theater in which you'd see these movies. Um, and it would basically, you'd be grinding out films. They'd be... Um, That's not what I pictured at all. But I'm so glad you said that, because when you... When I hear the word grindhouse, I just think of like horror where bodies are being ground up. Like I just think of Well, that was definitely some of the movies that were involved. <laughs> like there were quite a few grindhouse movies. There was a movie called Blood Feast that you could that they ground up bodies. And that was a grindhouse Sounds film. charming. It was very it was actually it's actually pretty good. The remake sucks. Um, but again, it could it could be so many different movies because it was just whatever was shown in these theaters. That, and they were usually as low-budget films that were about various subjects that you wouldn't see in major-budget films. <laughs> um, you know, black exploitation was one of the subgenres in Grindhouse. You had movies like Coffee, Dolomite, uh, Superfly, Shaft, of course, um, Black Belt Jones, Black Dynamite, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Like, you had a whole... Uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds more. Uh, Blackula that were all aimed at African-American audiences trying to get that dollar because they weren't spending it on the big films or, you know, just trying to get people to come in who were specifically interested in that genre of films. The Kung Fu films that came out around that time, everything that was being imported from China, um, you know, all of the Wu-Tang films, Five Deadly Venoms, Kid with a Golden Arm, 36 Chambers of Shaolin, Five Elements Ninjas. Those were all Grindhouse films. All right. So what are your top five favorite Grindhouse films? Oh, I films? can't do that because also horror was, a, as you said, was a genre. Everything from Amicus. Everything from Hammer. Hammer horror films were Grindhouse movies. They'd be shown in Grindhouses. <laughs> um, 
the video nasties, most of the movies that were on Britain's list of video nasties in the 80s were grindhouse films. All the Italian gore and zombie ones, everything from Cannibal Holocaust to the Lucio Fulci films like Zombie, like Dawn of the Dead was a grindhouse film. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left, Frankenhooker, Basket Case, those are all grindhouse films. I love all of them. Um, <laughs> Even the even the like the Italian giallos, like the murder mysteries, Profundo Rosso, uh, Burb the Crystal Plumage, Don't Torture a Duckling, What Happened to Solange? Oh my gosh! Um, Tenebrae, uh, you know Pink Flamingos. There's so I I can't narrow these down. Brian, did you know what you were starting? Did you do this on purpose? I could I could go on forever, but I don't want to because I don't want to bore people. But. <laughs> I feel like someone just shot espresso straight into your bloodstream. You started talking about my favorite genre. <sighs> well, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I'm sorry, not sorry. I'm not yeah, sorry. Yeah, there you go. I'm not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not ha- sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Live just, your life. Live I your just passion. listed off everyone that just popped right into my head are among my favorites. So there, I just gave you a list of, I don't know how many that was. But like those are all, Halloween was a grindhouse film. You know, like it's it's such a huge genre, really. And most of my favorite films were grindhouse movies. And I and, and I'd have to get into a subgenre of it to really start narrowing down my favorites. Like, what was my favorite hammer horror film? I don't know if I could do that. You have to put a gun to my head. I can't pick one. It would probably be something with both Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in it, but I don't know which one. It's brutal. What's my favorite black exploitation film? Jesus Christ, I don't know. I gotta, I, I, I gotta pick between. I mean, between Superfly, Black Belt Jones, and Shaft alone, and and Coffee or, or Foxy Brown. You couldn't. No. How could you? How could I? How could you? I couldn't. I couldn't. Well. <laughs> what were you saying that? about me going nerdy? <laughs> what were you saying about <laughs> the nerd is back? Um, well, wow. that's all of our questions. We didn't have any more come in last minute? Uh, no, that was the last one. Well, all right. Hey, guys, thank you so much for asking all of your questions today. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We appreciate you asking. We appreciate all of you guys are patrons, and we appreciate all your patronage. We cannot say how much it means to us. I say that all the time because it's true. It is so freaking awesome to have awesome people like you guys helping out this show, and to everyone listening as well, thank you for listening. It's so awesome that you guys tune in and hang out with us. And on the way out the door, i got to say thank you so, so much to JB to taking time out of Aww. her. She came here on her 4th of July, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to be with you and answer your questions. So, BWO is worth it. There's no place I'd rather be. That is... Thank- <laughs> I'm going to cry. Thank you so much for that, JB. Uh, Nick will be back, guys, on Monday, and then I'm here for the Tuesday show. So thank you guys once again. We appreciate it all. Have a wonderful holiday today, and uh, and if you're not in America, have a wonderful day. Yes. Stay with- safe, everyone. We exactly. love you here from the BWO. Mm. And with that, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. I am JB. You can find me on Twitter at Judith Brooke. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com